All right. I'm here today with Tom Luongo. You probably know him from his podcast, Gold, Goats, and Guns. Am I getting the order right? I always feel like I'm going to say, say it in the wrong order. Yep, you got it right. And um, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, you've got one of the reasons I, I wanted to talk to you is you've got some views that you're coming from an Austrian perspective, mm-hmm. um, very, very free market, very much steeped in all of that. But you say some things that not a lot of Austrians say, uh, and not a lot of people sort of on our side say. And what I'd like to do is ask you to kind of explain your position. You have this overall worldview, especially with regard to what the Fed is doing. And, you know, in our world, you know, it's Fed bad, gold good. Very sort of right. Fed bad, gold good. I'm I'm with you, but right, right, right. unfortunately, the unfortunately in the times that we live in today, Brett, it's it's like it, the world is a little more nuanced than that. And I think this is part of the this is part of the problem is that it's not that I, I you know it's not that I I, I want to be in the position of like oh, hell I'm in the I'm the guy in the position for years I've been trying to defend a butcher like Vladimir Putin, right? Because real politic is a world is the world we live in, and when I, you know, when I first got hired from, by Newsmax back in 2013, I was a gold guy. I got hired to write a gold newsletter and I had a very unnuanced view of the world and, you know, and, but I could see the big picture of the fight between the central banks and all this stuff. But at the same time, you know, I ran into real problems in 2015. I'm in the depth of the gold bear market going, I'm, I'm not taking good care of the people that I'm supposedly, you know, taking care of here. So I really had to do some some serious soul searching about, well, it's one thing to have a long-term understanding of where things are going to go. No one in the Austro-Libertarian camp about monetary policy or monetary theory or anything is wrong. We're going to get there. The system's collapsing. It's going to collapse. It's going to, something's going to happen. That's not the issue. The issue is the order of operations in which we're going to get there that matters. Moreover, when... I hit that moment, what was I, late, uh, really right, right, I think for January 2016, right at the bottom of the, 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 the gold bear market, because I had to make a turn, and I had to really embrace the idea that capital flow around the world is far more important a measure of what's happening than uh, and where markets are going to go and what's going to happen in, from day to day than any ideas about what we think you know, the end game looks like. Right, because every game of chess or go, whatever you want to model this, right? There's twists and turns. I mean, this isn't some like by the rails. I play a lot of board games. By the rails, German Euro that looks that every game looks almost exactly the same. There's a there's a classic board game in the in the in the industry called Puerto Rico that is um, so well understood by so many high level players that which you know I don't play it very well or often. I like. But in those guys, in that, in, in the board gaming world, Puerto Rico is a game so well understood, it's so well scripted in effect that after a hundred moves worth the game, the game is determined like by a point in the last three or four moves that everybody makes, right? And it's not a scripted thing. Whereas in the world of global capital and geopolitics and everything else, this is a game where you can't predict what anybody's going to do unless you really, really drill down into their incentive structure and you understand where everybody's ox is being bored. And we libertarians understand you know, most of what we do is to identify 
why these systems are going to fail because the incentive structures are all out of whack, right? Yeah. So we say like, you know, government intervention into the economy creates perverse incentives, which sets these things in motion, which does this, which does this, and that's bad. And, and we're right about that. In every way we are right about that. But I got news for you. The bad guys have incentives too. And they don't necessarily all operate as one big club, like George Carlin would say, and we're not in it. Right. It's a club that eventually has its own factions emerge, especially when the system that made them the club is starting to collapse. And right. now, and, and we, as the people who they've been predating, you know, acting predatorily towards for centuries, now no longer have anything left. There's no more debt to issue. There's no, we're at the Mises crack-up boom moment. There's no more debt to issue. There's no more, there's no more reinflating this thing. So now what? At that point, someone has to win and someone has to lose. Right. And so the five Puerto Rico sharks sitting at the table are going to, four of them are going to scream at the guy who did the thing out of order. So, so in Puerto Rico, it's a five player game, right? You got five guys, we're at the, we're getting towards the end of the game, and everybody knows it should, these things should happen in this particular order. And then all of a sudden, somebody does something they're not supposed to do because he broke ranks with the order of operations that he can get an advantage. And now everybody else is screaming at him that you did things wrong. And the cartel, in effect, the rules of the game have broken down. The meta rules of the, of the game have broken down because there's a meta, right? We talk about meta in, in gaming all the time. There's a meta that happens. And that's what we think we understand that, oh, well, the cartel, just the meta is that the cartel is all against us. But what happens when the, the members of the cartels are turning against each other? Yeah. And that's where we are today. And I think that's very, very clear. So that's where I think we are. And, and so now when you start to analyze that, let's look at the World Economic Forum. What's their big great reset plan? Well, their great reset plan is they want to do away with the two-tiered monetary transmission system, which is that the central banks create the money. It goes into the commercial banks, who then lend it out and fractionally reserve it and fractionally lend it out and create even more money. So there's one loop, the loop between the, the, the central banks and the commercial banks, and then there's the loop that you and I interact with, which is the commercial banks and you know, the money that we get, at, you know, the money that we get and we spend in the economy. Well, what do central bank digital currencies want to do? They want to close the two-loop system. They want to turn us into customers of the central banks. Yeah. Cut out the banks. And cut out the middleman, which is the banks. And what have we been doing since 2008, since the financial crisis? What have the political left been doing? What has Soros been, been advocating for? Collective Occupy Wall Street. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is, we hate the central, we hate the commercial banks. Right. Why? Because the commercial banks, rightfully so, got a big bailout from the Federal Reserve, who is there, who that's who they work for. The Federal Reserve works for the commercial banks. Now, if it's we're at that point where it's my central bank and my commercial banks versus your central bank and your commercial banks, then isn't that a perfect recipe for a really, really ugly game of chess where you know the pieces on the board aren't pieces of uh, of plaster or or, or marble? They're you and me. They're Credit Agricola. They're J.P. Morgan. They're you know Standard Chartered. They're the City of London. You know that's who we're dealing with now, right? The pawns are like the smaller banks. The rooks are you know banks like Barclays and whatever. And the kings are the Fed and the ECB. And so 
modeling it in that way, just thinking about it in that way, it becomes very obvious very quickly. Like, oh, well, this strategy here is, do we go along with this? What's our benefit? You know, what's the qui bono for JP Morgan to give up their business and turn over commercial banking as a whole to Klaus von Kamischnitz? Right. So, so in, in Klaus's world, in his plan, there's no place for JP Morgan. Is that right. it? There's, yeah. They just, there isn't. There's maybe, I mean, no, not really. I mean, they don't need it because you can put everything on their ledger. You can have, you know, they can create some, some crappy, um, um, distributed ledger crypto like Ripple or whatever else they're going to use to be their new, there be their digital version of Swift to get rid of Swift, which is old and a hundred years out of date and everything else that needs to be updated. There's nothing, I have no problem. I'll be honest with you. I hate to say that. I know this will, I have no problem, I have some problem, but I have no problem with a wholesale style central bank digital currency used for the central banks to conduct business amongst themselves to settle up accounts at the end of the day and all that stuff, because the SWIFT system is terrible. I mean, this isn't a consumer. I'm paying one and a half to 2% to these people when that system could drop the cost of 0.1 or 0.2%, right? Yeah. That takes a lot of their, that takes a lot of their power away too, by the way, because they're not making as much money on, per transaction. The toll, the, the toll, the amount of toll at the toll booth is lower. And it's, you know, like a good libertarian, I like paying fewer taxes. Yeah, yeah. Even if I can't pay zero, I'd like to pay fewer, right? Because then that's more capital for me more of my profit stays in my less my hands to then right less and less for them and, and it's a devolution of power and that's a very clear scenario as well so i'm all for but i don't want ripple when obviously something like bitcoin and lightning network can do the same thing just as easily we don't need any of that and we can still have commercial banks with bitcoin as a reserve asset or or a tokenized version or a crypto tokenized version of gold or whatever, all competing amongst themselves, and let them let, let them all compete amongst themselves. All the proof of work coins compete amongst themselves, and figure out who's you know whose blockchain reigns supreme. I'm all for it, you know, including remonetizing gold. Right. So, but so the these w guys. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. So, well, so, you're, so the WAF really is is the goal is to centralize everything is to to further yeah. just it's. I, I like to put it as minority report, but with more Germans. Okay. And I, I don't mean to be flipped, but I, I'm, I'm pretty much over two ethnic groups in the world today, Germans and Ukrainians. Sorry. And that's, that's it. And I'm just going to leave it there because the Germans really do believe, you know, at a fun, at a kind of a, at a heuristic level, they really do believe that they understand how to run the world better than everybody else. Because mm. that's their like that's their ethos as a people. It's it always has been. It's their ethos. It's in their philosophy. It's in all of this stuff. It's deeply it's ingrained in their boards that they design. Like German board gaming is a thing. And like some of the wow. look, I own a lot of these things. I love them. I think German board game designers are fantastic. But these games are also very passive aggressive. Very mechanical, very dry, very German. As opposed to what we call Ameritrash games, which are big, sprawling things like Risk. Ah, right, throw copies right. at each other and throw dice and ah, whatever. And you know, there's a sea of things on the board and we have no idea what's going on. It's all very disorganized and very capitalist. <laughs> it's, all, it's all very cool. We literally have Euro games and, and Ameritrash. Oh, that's so funny. Really funny. That's, that's those, funny. Are, those are, you know, when, when, when board gamers speak, they have their own jargon. And that's, these are two terms that will come up all the time if you ever, if you ever integrate with us like you're doing so now. Um, and I have, you know, I like them all. 
Like I'm not, I'm agnostic on this stuff. I like them all mm-hmm. um, as long as they're well-designed. Um, but um, the, uh, the, so the thing is, is that so when, what I haven't done is explain to you, like, think about this. The Federal Reserve is owned by the U.S. commercial banks. Yeah. They're the shareholders in each of the 12 Federal Reserve banks. The primary shareholders of the New York Fed, the most powerful Fed, are the big New York commercial banks, the J.P. Morgans and the Goldman Sachs's and the Morgan Stanley's and the Bofas and the Cities and all those guys, right? Bank of New York Mellon, blah, blah, blah. So are they the most, and also the most powerful political lobby in the world? Are they? Oh, far more than the MIC. Because without them, without them there is no MIC. Where's the, where's the money go? Right, okay. Who controls the, co- who controls the cost of capital? The Federal yeah. Reserve. Who controls the Federal Reserve? The commercial banks. Like, it's all tied to the same thing. So like, the Congress can, and, now the, and then you have Congress who is at odds, if it can be at odds with the Fed, if the Fed wants to do one thing with, with, with the cost of capital, and Congress, for political needs, wants to do something else. Right. And that's kind of where we are today. Because the Biden administration, or I say the yeah. Biden administration, <laughs> yeah, or what I like to call the Biden junta, um, doesn't work for us. They don't work for America. Just right. like Obama didn't work for America. Like Obama's eight years in office are really easily explained once you go, oh, he works for European globalists. He works for European interests that are looking to recolonize the world through another iteration of monetary um, insanity. So, so how do those interests, how do the European interests make their power felt? How do they get control of the White House, of Congress, sure. or whoever? How does that happen? Well, they can do that with, but they can do that a variety of different ways. Like all the fractional reserve banking, right, creates a tremendous amount of dollars that can be used to pay for all manner of things. So the, as I've said for many years, the problem with money in politics is that there's money in politics, right? It's like politics got us into this mess. It's not going to get us out. Yeah. I'm enough of a libertarian to know all of these things, but I'm still going to like Lou Rockwell. I can't help myself. I still watch the train. I still watch the train wreck while it's happening, right? I can't help myself. So I remember Lou saying that years ago and going, yeah, can't help myself. When you remember when you started political theater on the side on, on yes. Lou Rockwell, he, yes. he wrote the apologia. He's like, I hate politics, but Sorry. I can't look away from it. So, yeah. um, and I always respected Lou for that. Oh, oh, and among among many many other things, but yeah. that in particular, yeah. I really respected him for. So, um, so I'm thinking about this. I'm like, how do they do? This? Well, you can create all these dollars. That's one thing. But is the Fed really in charge of monetary policy? This is a question that dropped in that was dropped into my head by a guy by the name of Jeff Snyder, who, who many people in this, these circles may understand. The guy who created the whole Euro Dollar University argument, saying that the Euro Dollar, the offshore dollar system, is actually more powerful than the Federal Reserve. Because there are more Euro dollars or offshore dollars out there than there are actual domestic dollars. Mm-hmm. And therefore, there's more loans denominated in offshore dollars than there are. Domestic dollars, then there are domestic loans and domestic dollars. And therefore, um, if those loans start to go bad, they're going to blow back in a globalized economy back on our systems. So if the Fed tries to rein in Congress and tries to rein in um, domestic credit creation in order to keep us from getting out of balance, then offshore 
dollars catch a cold well before we do. Yeah. And then that forces the Fed to pivot off of monetary tightening far too early. And that's why we're seeing the problem we're seeing. Okay, so that's one thing. Now, Snyder, and I'm going to throw Jeff under the bus here because um, it's clear at this point that he and I are at odds with this. And he's now actually actively attacking, going after me because I've identified where he's fallen down in his, in his work and or not being willing, like a lot of people, not being willing to update the mental map of what's happening in the world. Jeff was absolutely right up until about 2018 about all of this stuff. And we have all this data going all the way back to the 40s and the 50s that the euro dollar system effectively overtook and killed Bretton Woods and all of this stuff. But here's the gig. Here's the gig. How you, the, the way you stop this from occurring, this translation system, the way you stop this is by breaking and severing the link between the European markets and the offshore dollar markets and the, the domestic dollar markets. That is the key to understanding this. Hey, I didn't come up with this on my own. I had a patron literally email me out of the blue and start leading me down the primrose path one day. And, I, and then he said about three or four things. And I said, well, that means that, that, blah, blah, blah. boom. And I'm like, am I right? He's like, absolutely. I'm like, okay, so let's think about this. And we were just free associated. We were just theorized about this. So what has been the benchmark for all dollar denominated debt going back to, I don't know, the 1890s? LIBOR. Mm-hmm. Right. The London interbank offer rate. Right. LIBOR is the thing that, you know, your credit card payment, your credit card debt up until a couple of years ago was always indexed to LIBOR. Mm-hmm. Your mortgage payments indexed to LIBOR. The Federal Reserve, the Fed funds rate was subordinate in many ways to LIBOR. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm getting at here. Yeah, is that the okay. Fed funds rate is actually subordinate to LIBOR uh-huh. because the market has bought all this debt. Sure, the Fed, if the Fed lowers interest rates to try and stimulate the economy, which they're not supposed to do, and LIBOR drops as a consequence, and all these, then, then you're just you're growing the, the credit pile here in the United States, but you're growing the euro dollar pile like by this. So when this starts to collapse, right, and we're all tied to the same interest rate, then guess what happens? LIBOR starts to rise when the demand for dollars starts to rise overseas. That, send, that then sends LIBOR up, which then sends your credit card company sending you a nasty gram saying, unfortunately, sir, we're going to have to raise your, your, your platinum card from 9% to 12%. Wow. You're, we're going to have to call in your, we're going to have to raise your adjustable rate mortgage, even though your bank's Texas ratio, even though your bank is solvent, even though your bank has no problems whatsoever. Right. But all of a sudden, because LIBOR blew out, so it's so they've got to raise they've got to raise your adjustable rate mortgage on your HELOC. How many how many libertarians or how many Austrians? I, I was not aware of that, and and I haven't been like deep into economics, you know, in recent years. Fair enough. But I'm wondering that that sounds like big news to me. I didn't I didn't realize that. It's always it's kind of, that's what that's that's what that's what I learned from Jeff Snyder back in you know 13, 14, 15 of this you know him explaining why gold. Would get crushed in times of, of um, what he termed as repo collateral stress. That there wasn't the money markets were running out of dollars, and then people, it basically the money markets are running out of dollars. People are going to the Fed repo window or to the, into the repo markets to try and find dollars, and they've got treasuries and they move them back or commercial paper and they move them back and forth in order to get dollars. The the, right, the rates rise. There's a shock, and then everybody goes, "Well, okay, that's too expensive now. Now I'm going to go raid my gold hedges, and I'm going to use gold." And the gold futures market is a piggy bank to go get dollars because I need freaking dollars now. 
And it doesn't matter what the price of gold is. It doesn't matter what the fundamentals are. It doesn't matter what Peter Schiff or me or anybody else says about why gold wins. I need dollars now. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that matters. So basically and, people are over leveraged and yes. end up in a situation where, and that's- And because the futures market is fundamentally over leveraged, the COMEX can then play games with changing the, 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 contained, the, the, the collateral rates and all this other stuff to break the structure of the market. They can do all sorts of things. And they have over the years and they've done unbelievable damage and they've bankrupted thousands of people doing this. And I'm not saying, and none of what I'm saying here is my endorsing any of this. Right. Just my analysis of what I see. Yeah. Because, but now dispassionately, you got to look at this and you got to go, well, maybe let's look at this situation. So what has happened? Well, with the introduction of SOFR, the secured overnight funding rate, starting in 2017, which has been rolled out in a five-year, four-and-a-half-year pilot project, right? And Slowly where, but surely, SOFR. What's that? Is that is, is SOFR just U.S.? or what, Yes, what? it is a U.S. domestic debt indexing rate. It is also a collateralized and secured rate, meaning there's capital behind the transactions that happen within SOFR. SOFR uh -huh. is a free market rate that will obviously trade track with the Fed funds rate, but It'll track with the Fed runs rate a few basis points, a few, you know, a couple of percentages of a percent basis points um, around the whatever the Fed funds rate. So every time the Fed raises the, the Fed funds rate, obviously SOFR is going to rise along with it. Right. But eventually, I got news for you. Eventually, SOFR could actually replace the Fed funds rate. But I'm 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 I haven't even written about this yet. I've only just started thinking about it. That's the next iteration of this as we go forward, because I got to see how this plays out. But let's just start with SOFR. Yeah. If all the debt in the United States is indexed to SOFR, then all the Armageddon previous from previous monet, uh, monetary tightening cycles don't apply. Those rules don't apply anymore because it's not indexed to LIBOR or, or, any, or any other offshore dollar interest rate. It's only indexed to SOFR. Now, what happened in the at the beginning of 2022? With All new debt indexed in the United States has to be indexed to SOFR. So how did that happen? It was just part of the it was just part of the Fed's rollout plan for SOFR. Okay, so the Fed, just, did, the Fed did this. The Fed, yeah, the Fed, the Fed can set these rules, and and you know this, yeah. So, um, so the Fed has put SOFR in play, and the and, and you know the market doesn't shift until it absolutely has to. So if you, I was looking at some stuff the other day, a friend of mine sent me some stuff the other day. He said, look, you know, the, the argument against SOFR, which Jeff Snyder has made, is that there was no liquidity. I'm like, yeah, that was the case in 2021. Hmm. The case in 2022, go look, at the, go look at the number of transactions being done on a daily basis. SOFR, SOFR is now a $4 billion a day market. So, so there's, there's plenty of liquidity here. There's a liquidity crunch overseas. Is that overseas. it? Overseas, yes. Now, we're going to have a liquidity crunch here, but it's not going to be of the nearly the same severity. What it means is that the Fed has a lot more room to tighten interest rates mm -hmm. and monetary conditions than everybody, especially the Austrians, were thinking that wow. they could. At wow. the beginning of the year, every Austrian or Austrian-adjacent economist was saying the same thing. Fed can't raise above 1%. They all said it, except me. Mm -hmm. I literally was in there going, uh, uh, no. They're, the Fed's going to go to four. The, I, I was thinking the Fed was going to do seven quarter point raises in January. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I didn't think that they would do what they've done so far. Mm -hmm. I hoped they would do what they've done so far. I hoped, like, like the, the angry, disagreeable Italian that I am was like, oh, Powell, just do it. Just, 
this, this, this open up with 75 basis points and piss everybody off. It would be awesome if they look at it. And if Biden looks at you sideways, just go, no, make that 100. Because that's what I would have done. Because, well, Brittany, I'm an asshole. Like, it's, a, but. Okay, but, but then how. That raises the question, how did, because you've talked about Powell in some of your, in some of your podcasts, and um, you had one where, where somebody was talking about, like, his genealogy and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, no, that was me. And that was the okay. last one I did with Alex Craner. That was episode 119 yes, with Alex yes. Craner. How does a guy like that get into this position? <laughs> how, how? Trump. Oh, seriously. Okay. The Trump interregnum, the Trump interregnum put all of this stuff on hold. Because the big thing that happened here, we had... Like, here's the king. And I got another one for you. Ready? Like, I've identified years ago that, I mean, they wanted to do so for the, the commercial banks wanted to do so for back in like 2007, 2008. Obama said no. Geithner mm. said no. Yellen said no. Bernanke said no. They're, they're all globals. They're all Davos. They are all absolutely freaking 100% signed up for Kami Schnitzel. I'm dead serious. Like, it's not. In no way, manner, shape, or form. That's why, you know, Bernanke bailed out um, Italy in 2011 or bailed out the European Union in 2011. That's why Yellen bailed out Greece, helped bail out Greece in 2015 and helped Draghi look like the smartest guy in the world. Remember Jim Rickards going around in 2013, 2014 saying that Mario Draghi was the best central banker in the world because he says little and does less? Like, I don't remember that. maybe yeah. Jim, or maybe he's got Bernanke doing all the work for him on the side and making the ECB right. look good. Right. I mean, so, so it's Jim's not, blocked me on Twitter, so it doesn't matter anymore. I can, I can yell at him as well. Um, so not that there were financial incentives for the Fed to do that. It's, it's not, it's not, it's, no, this was political. This was an agenda okay. to destroy the, to destroy the validity of the cornerstone of capitalism, which is commercial banking. Okay, and central banking itself is a is is an irretrievable perversion of commercial banking. But this is an even worse, egregious, commie style. Hey, if we want to destroy something, first we've got to make it too powerful, and then we got to get everybody against it. This is very Leninist in the way these people are thinking. Okay, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. This is it's not too hard to once you start really like going through the way these people operate, like. Again, if I, I, I used to say this on my live streams all the time. You never watch any of these things. I would be screaming, F-bombs would be everywhere. And, and I'd be like, dude, if, if I was emperor, this is what I would do. If I, was, if, the, if I were these people, this is how I would run things. You really don't want me in charge. Like, if, if I was evil, because I got news for you. I know how to think like these people. I do it all the time. I do it at the gaming table every night where there's no con- consequences. Right. And I got news for you. I play with people who are even more Machiavellian than I am. Because I, I usually come in third. It's like, it's crazy. It's like, it's, I'm not even good at it, right? So. Well, maybe uh, that's what's needed in libertarian circles is more <laughs> of a willingness to step inside the shoes of, of, of the bad guys. Because Well, you have to analyze the world versus the way you, you have to analyze the world you have, right. not the world you want. Right. And we spend way too much time analyzing the world from the position of what we want. Now, look, that's a very important, it's a very important thing to do because you've got to give people aspirations. You've got to give people ideals to strive for. I'm all over that. I, I firmly believe all that. And I think that we're moving in the right direction. It's just, unfortunately, it may take another world war to get through it, unfortunately. And this is, I think the humanity is moving in the right direction. Like we're talking about property rights in ways that we haven't talked about in 400 years. Hmm. 
because they're going to take them all away from us. And then we're all going to go, you know what? We really liked property rights better. Right, right. We've been pushed so far or we're, we've we're been pushed right. so far. And but... economic theory is so much more advanced and yeah. so much better than it was yeah. to, in, the la- in, the, in, the, in this last cycle than it was in this last 300 year cycle than it was in ever, any other you know, yeah, absolutely. Thing. I mean, Rothbard was right that yes, economics is the dismal science. It's because it's so young. It's like quant- it's like quantum physics. It's a young science. Yeah, yeah, and I think it goes against it goes against kind of our tribal instincts in a lot of ways. I think we have these very primal instincts for you know group identity and um, all this stuff. That, that economics is counterintuitive to so much of that that inside, I think a lot of people are just like hardwired not to understand mm. basic economic principles. Um, but, so- but what's what's really interesting now about that is that the more you really study the, the lessons of Austrian economics, you realize that that's why people are tribal. People's incentives lead them towards tribalism. And it's actually, that's where community comes from, from everybody being free to express their um, uh, the, they express their incentives and their comparative advantage within the division of labor their way. And right. that means we have little tribes and little city states and little things running around, not big governments and big transnational things. That, all that comes from pointing guns at each other, from see, stealing people's capital and blackmailing them into saying, look, if you don't do what we ask you to do, then we'll just point a gun at you and kill you. And then 50 other people go, okay, I'll sign up. And then, you know, trudge along and work in the freaking and work in the, in the company store while, you know, because it's all just the company store model, like written yeah. all, over and over and over again. So it's nothing new. Yeah. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, so, but they get back to the Fed and their incentive yeah. structure. Like, if you represent the commercial banks and the commercial banks are under existential threat from a bunch of Euro trash neo colonial commies, then wouldn't you, if you were Jamie Dimon, say, you know what? No. And if, and was everybody on board with this in, before 2016? Of course they were. Why? There was no mechanism by which to actually stop it. Mm-hmm. But with Trump and Brexit, an opportunity arose. And then if you look at what was done behind the scenes, the implementation of SOPR, the, um, uh, uh, the election of uh, the appointment of John Williams to the Atlanta Fed, who did the project within the Fed to get it done. Sorry, you cut out with the name of that. The, it was the, John Williams, the head of the Atlanta Fed. Of the I, oh, head of the, of the I, Atlanta I, Fed. Yeah. Oh, of the Atlanta Fed. Okay. Yeah. So it's John Williams, who's the who's the uh, who's the you know the shepherd of SOFR, of the SOFR pilot project of the so of the rollout of SOFR. It was those two. It was that, mm-hmm. and then note also that Mnuchin was Trump's Treasury Secretary for five for the entire administration. When's the last time that happened? Hmm. Because. Trump couldn't trust anybody. They had a plan. I know what Trump's plan was. I mean, that's a that's a you're actually we're gonna like you're gonna both love and hate this plan because it's because it's 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 actually ingenious um, because it actually would it's both freeing and gold positive, but also perpetuates the current some version of the current political structure. But it's probably the best we're gonna be able to hope for in this iteration of the cycle. Um, but the Fed has every incentive to to stop this and to stop the destruction of commercial banking and the cornerstone of capitalism. Because say what you want about Jamie Dimon, say what you want about Jerome Powell, say what you want about any of these people. 
Do you really think that they believe in five-year plans of the Politburo and an unelected Politburo? No, what they believe in is getting their vig off of, you know, of, inter- of, of, of being the guys getting their vig off of the, um, off of our work. But they understand that they can only take so much of that vig. Yeah. And they've taken too much. Now they got to give some of it back. And it's better that than the alternative. And so you may be looking at it going, these are the guys that are just trying to keep their heads out of the hangman's news. Fair enough. Fine. If that's what we had to do to push you to that moment where we're going to embrace ridiculous technocratic communism or minority report with more Germans, so then accept that that's what it's about. You're saying these guys, they, actually they absolutely knew this. Because if you look at it, JP Morgan was the first bank to stop taking European debt, corporate or otherwise, as collateral for repo, for dollar repo transactions back in 2019. That's actually what caused wow. the SOFR blowout and the repo crisis in 2019. Wow! It was that. It was this. It was that. It was that. In that, it was that dynamic. So Morgan was already in that process. I can make the argument very credible, Brittany, that COVID was nothing more than a big psyop to get the Fed to reinflate, because the because huh. we were about to hit a Bear Stearns like moment, just like two thousand March of two thousand eight. And they needed to do something to be able to push Congress into forcing the Fed to print a whole lot of money. Because there's two sides of the monetary issue. There's fiscal and there's the monetary policy. The Fed, we spend too much time on the Fed because it was the unknown. Godspeed to Ron Paul for making everybody aware of how bad central banking is. But but in, in some ways, it's an unbalanced problem, unbalanced way we frame the problem. Because it's not just central banking. That may be the root cause of all the evil, but I got news for you. Congress still has a lot of power because we've given them the power to then blackmail the Fed by allowing people to vote for more spending. Yeah. So you have to kill the spending, but you can't kill the spending until you can allow the Fed to get control over its monetary policy, which means draining the euro dollar markets of their political power to then force the Fed's monetary policy, which right. is why yeah. last year... Joe Biden and company tried to get rid of Jerome Powell and install Lael Brainerd to give us MMT and UBI. And but they weren't able to. And they weren't able to. They failed. Why, why did they fail? They failed because think of it this way: they couldn't get Brainerd through a Senate confirmation hearing. Daniel DiMartino Booth made it abundantly clear to everybody who was willing to listen in October of November of last year that the Fed, that these people wanted Lael Brainerd. There was no way to get her through because she couldn't get more than 35 votes in a Senate confirmation hearing. Now, why can she not get more than 35 votes in a Senate confirmation hearing? Because who butters the bread of the senator's reelection campaigns? The base. Wall Street. Okay. So it's, it just. That's why I think they're more powerful than the MIC. Yeah. Because they actually control Congress. It's 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 a weird feeling to be to be feeling like 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 I want to be cheering for the banksters. <laughs> you know, it's awful. It's like <laughs> I, uh, I can't. I, I, it's a little warm here, and in, 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 it's a little warm and humid here in Florida for the first day since after here in North Florida after Hurricane Ian. It's not not pleasant, and I'm like, yeah, I just really feel dirty. Like laying it all out. I just it's really, I need to go take, can, I, can we stop for a minute so I can take a shower so I can finish this conversation? Right. That's how I feel, right? 
Ah. Yeah, no, it's it's like it's like a it's like a modern day episode of Game of Thrones, you know, where it like you you find oh, it is absolutely there are no good guys, it, but it's 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 just it's just gangsters. Yeah, yeah. So so that's something. Um, I want to let you finish all the stuff you have to say about that, but I also I would love to just talk with you a little bit about sort of the nature of empire and the nature mm-hmm. of um, of these these entities. You know, now it's sort of the WEF and and that crowd. But in the past, it was you know Queen Elizabeth or it's the same group. It's so so when I when I say when I say to people, you know, they're just, they're they're criminal gangs, um, or when when a lot of libertarians say things like that, it's taken as hyperbole, like oh, you know, you just you don't like them, you don't like what they do, and so you're just sure. calling them names. No, there's um, and I I learned they this. They really are criminal gangs. They are. So I I learned this. I'm just gonna hold up my book. When I when I wrote my children's novel Annabelle Pickering and the Sky Pirates, um, okay. when I was doing research for it, one of the books I read is it's called The Pirate Queen, and it's it's about Queen Elizabeth the first, and she literally was a a pirate queen. I mean, she had her her merchant adventurers were literal pirates. They went out and they they pillaged and they savaged and they and they attacked you know other vessels out in the sea and stole their stuff. It's not hyperbole. And no. so what how would you how would you describe? I mean, and that's you, you say it's the same people. What is this entity we're talking about? And and how about the old European money, okay. old European colonial powers. They don't want to they're the people that we're not allowed to talk about, the people who don't have Wikipedia pages. <laughs> hmm. Right. Okay. So I mean, and and but at the same time they have their PR men, they have their Klaus Schwabs, and they have their George Soros's, and they have their, you know, and whomever that is. And but you know, the it's the same people. It's the same people behind. It's the same commercial banks all across um, Europe. Excuse me, that are that you know financed all the colonialism of the 15th through the 17th 18th century it's the same thing right so it's it's the venetian banks it's the amsterdam banks it's the city of london it's frankfurt and you know all the rest of them it's just you know paris it's all those guys it's nothing new they're the ones behind all this and they've been able to morph as their system every time their system collapsed and they got us into another free world war they kept moving their, their their capital. They would move their capital out of the place that it was that it was that was at war. Move it to the other place. Invest in that place. Use them as the military as the military industrial complex to fund both sides of the friggin' weapons, and then and then reap the profits of the rebuild, and then recapitalize themselves with the rebuild. And every and every iteration of this is this every iteration of this just kept piling on more and more debt, making degrading the money with each iteration to the point where now we can just have well we just need some digital you know some digital tokens that are issued directly from the central bank but don't worry we're not going to you know we're not going to deny you a life if unless of course you're not a good person for instance of course we don't like you Uh, we don't like you oh so you're fat so you're not allowed to have an order of pizza right right you know or whatever like you oh you so yeah you can have that car loan but you have to scrub your twitter feed so it seems like, you know, I can, I can sort of just historically see the, the progression you're talking about and how they, you know, capitalize on war, move somewhere else, capitalize on the next war. It seems like this is a qualitative change. This what they're what they're asking for now or asking is the wrong word. What they're going for now is like a quantum leap. 
Yes. Um, in terms of they really want to run, not only run the world, but like control humanity yeah. to a degree that they never. What, what do you, the, is it? Totally and, and the thing, and, and yeah, I know that is what they're, that's where they're, you know, look, be, you know, the, those that the, the gods would destroy first, they make mad. And we have a lot of that. We have hubris as its own reward or its own solipsism or whatever you want to call it. Um, and there comes a point where, you know, they try, they're, they're, they, what they can see now, this, is the, this has been my, my argument for a while, or my, at least my frame, whether I publicly talk about it in these terms or not, you know, in any kind of organized fashion or not, they can see the existential threat to their power. They can see the cartels breaking down. They can see what they've done. And they can see that they don't have, and that, the, you know, when you look at the way, that's why they, why is populism a four-letter word to these people, right? Populism is the oh, dirtiest God. word in the English language. So that, yeah. Because that means the help has power. And the help's not supposed to have power. The help is supposed to show up and cut the grass. Right. And take orders. Right. And that help is the, the dirty slobs, the Russians, they're supposed to supply us cheap oil. And then the Chinese are supposed to make all of our cheap crap. And the Africans are supposed to, you know, tend our gardens. And the, and the Yanks are just supposed to, you know, roll over and provide the guns. Because they're just dirty Yanks. Well, they tell us that we all share, you know, European values. There are no European values in the United States. We're not Europeans. We're the Europeans who left yeah. because Europe sucks. At least that's the way my ancestors did it. Yeah. I'm yeah. only second generation Italian. Like that anger at Europe. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, 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 a, I'm an old man. I'm the youngest of an old family that, of an old family. So my, my dad was depression era. He was the youngest of 11 of the, of the generation that came over on the boat. Wow. And he didn't have me until he was 40. Wow. And I, and I didn't have a kid until I was 36. So I'm only literally second generation Italian, even though my family all came over in the, you know, in 1890s and, and, and the aughts wow. on both sides. So I can, so I see that I have that mindset of the initial generation. I still have, you know, the the, my, my grandfather came over on the boat when he was six. Jeez. So yeah. Um, my maternal grandmother, I, uh, my grandparents did. Uh, my uh, my paternal grandparents uh, died before I was ever born. They were I, they were long dead, 15, 18 years before I before I was born. Mm -hmm. Um. So you know, so so I see it that way. So it, it's very ingrained, kind of in my person, my family's history and culture. Like is that we're not that far away from. Yeah, we ran away from Ita Italian fascism. That was starting in the, you know, I sent me 120 years ago. So it's like, it, it's, you know, so we're not European. Yeah. Americans aren't. We well, are a European British extraction, British. but yeah. we rejected European values to forge a different world. Yeah. Yeah. And this is very important that a lot of people don't, don't want to, you know, because it's, it's easily just thrown at us that because we're the, because culturally we have a lot in common, but we we also don't. Yeah, they don't have they don't have constitutions based on on real on rights where the where the people are right. It's all superior to the thought. government. It's only the United States that is, that has this. Yeah, everybody else is, still has some some weak ass version of this. It's only the U.S. that still has enshrined we the people. Now, as far as government is concerned, stupid, and it's a 
gang of thieves writ large and all the rest of it. And I'm as much of a radical Rothbardian and anarcho-capitalist as you'll ever find. But I'd rather that I mean, than what they have awesome. than the than the than the than the system they have over in Britain where they don't have where they don't even have a well, yeah system. or Canada. Yeah, or I mean, I think, I think we've seen, you know, my, my dad, yeah. my dad was one of the biggest critics of the Constitution um, mm -hmm. that you'll ever find. But I yes, think last, these last two years have shown us at least it's something, at least, you know, at least we we have guns. We can, you know, at least we have federalism. Yeah, yeah. And federalism is still there if we if we the states decide to to yeah, exercise you, it, because all they can do is withhold the, the money they steal from the state. Right. Right. In order to get the state to comply, well, if the state says, "You know what? We don't need it." Yep, yep, yep. And so, Joe, so Joe Biden, if you're not going to send FEMA in to rebuild Fort Myers after Hurricane Ian, Florida man will do it himself. Yeah, yeah. And Florida man is perfectly ready to rebuild Fort Myers on its own. Yeah, Florida, Florida man's doing 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 all right these days. Um, how do you see this playing out? How do you how do you I mean, you know, I think people in our circle all agree. We say we're at this sort of point of collapse. The, mm -hmm. the system that we've been saying, you know, for decades now is going to collapse any day. It actually is. Mm -hmm. What does that look like going forward? Oh, oh wow. <laughs> I, I get asked this question all the time and I hate to 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 even really answer it. Some and not because I want to avoid it or anything, but because there's so many moving parts of so many variables. Like when you have this many people with this much power in fear for their lives of losing it, and they're not willing, and many of them aren't even willing to negotiate to take a 20% hit. Where does that lead? It leads to this apocalyptic stuff that they keep talking about. Well, we only need a half a billion people on the planet, and we only need this, and we only need that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They want to take us from having, they don't, they've never wanted us to have access to, uh, to cheap, abundant, energy density not just energy but energy density which is why they've always been which is why they've always been uh they've always been against nuclear right they've only allowed for bad nuclear um power plant designs ones that you know could just bring about the destruction of all life on the planet right those gen one high, heavy um light water reactors are awful like the only reason that we all get up in the morning uh, and don't have you know things growing out the sides of our heads is because of the because of the, the 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 diesel generators running the uh, circulating the water in the cooling pools to keep the spent fuel rods from melting down, and it doesn't which is what happened to Fukushima, right? Which is what happened to Fukushima. Fukushima right. didn't the, the reactor didn't melt down, the cooling rods melted down because they couldn't get diesel oh. diesel fuel to keep the, the pools running. To keep the water circulating over the spent fuel rods, because we make the, the political decision that we won't bury them in the salt mines over in Utah. Because oh my god, they may they may they transport them they transport them over the over the. I'm like, I'd rather have one of them like yeah. drop on the ground after an accident, and we have to pick it back up and put it back on the truck, than you know and wipe out all life on the planet because a hurricane came through, and we can't get diesel can't get diesel fuel to you know Crystal River. What are you people out of your minds? Like, is, can you not do a cost-benefit analysis? Destruction of life in North America. A small nuclear accident along I-70. Yeah, yeah. Well, po political decisions aren't based on cost-benefit analyses. I mean, that's, I think that's the, the reality we're running up against is it doesn't matter if it makes sense. 
it doesn't matter to them because they're not the ones who will pay the price, even though sometimes they will. Right. But that's it's not how their incentives are, are structured. That's no, not their incentive structures are all wrong. And I really do believe that the, the people who think they're in, I always like to put it in this way. Don't ever think that I believe these people are in charge of anything. Okay. They're in charge of their little bailiwicks and their little and their little their little cabals and, and their little factions and whatnot. And some of them are bigger than others. But I think these are people who think they are entitled to run the world. Yeah. Oh, and I make that I make that distinction very clearly all the time. They really do think they run the world and they do really think that they are entitled to run the world and therefore to make the decision for all of this. But they're really not. They're just they're just LARPing as you know, as Bond villains. I hate to break it to everybody, but it's even worse when you realize that they're just LARPing as Bond villains and not actually Bond villains. Because if they were Bond villains, it'd be easy. Like just hey, Vlad, that guy's house. Done. Okay, we're done. Oh, it's over. Yeah. Just nobody go there for a, a couple of, for 80 years or so. That 50 acres, it's, it's just you know, off limits. But, you know, here lies Klaus von Schnitzel, and he was nuked by Putin because he was an asshole. Okay, good. Let's, let's move on with our, we can move on. And then it's a localized problem. Done. You know, you're never going to get rid of the corruption. We're never going to get, we're never going to build utopia. Well, the best we can do is hope that well, we, we can, can minimize the damage that these people do. Yeah. And I think, I think what, I mean, one of the, the reason I'm I'm bullish on crypto and and maybe I'm maybe I shouldn't be, but mm -hmm. if we can take away their tools, if we can take away the things that allow them to have this kind of power, if if we have if we have you know money that can't be centralized, sure. that can't be controlled centrally, that would be huge. That would, would. be yes, there will still be people who who want to have that kind of power, but if they don't have the ability to to control ramp it up. Yeah, then then it's going to stay small. It's never going to get to this point. No, that you're you're. This is I've been I, I made that breakthrough break ages ago, and I, you know, thanks to your dad and many others for helping me get to that emo, the intellectual state to go. Yeah, bigness is the problem. But here's one for you. You asked what it looks like going forward. Well, what you just described was the end. Right? Mm -hmm. What you just described was the end. And again, we libertarians are really good at seeing. Well, these things are going to happen, and that's where we're going. And the ups and downs don't really matter. The ending has already been foretold because a priori, this is where things are. You know what I mean? Like the big in the big picture, we you know abstract out all these other variables, and yeah, the system's going to collapse. Great. What does that look like? Oh, well, you know, uh, when? Uh, when? Yeah. But then, okay. So now here's here's one for you. During each stage of the operation, being a chemist. Um. I like to look at things in terms of energy and I like to look at things in terms of how matter transforms from one state to another state. I use this metaphor all the time. So in a simple, uh, in any kind of reaction, there's, a, there's, we're here and we're going to go to here. So we're here and we're going to go to this. So we're going to go from this to this, right? To go from this to this, we have to go through the transition state where it's kind of like this. Mm -hmm. And then we reorganize. We're in the transition What's yep. the transition state from the central bank era to the reestablishment of some form of hard money, rational commercial banking system? It's one in which the most powerful of the central banks has the incentive to extricate itself from its the thing that's killing it. The thing that's killing the Fed is the global reserve currency. Huh. It's Triffin's paradox is real. 
We have to export inflation in order and run a trade deficit in order to maintain what we've got, right? Yeah. In order to maintain the world's reserve currency, we have to export inflation and import goods. And it works really well until it doesn't. Right. So now it's not going to work anymore. Now that's actually killing the Fed because that meant creating the euro dollar system. Mm-hmm. It meant creating and empowering all these people that now want to take America and yeah. destroy it. Yeah. And take the political entity that is the United States and destroy it. And prove to everybody, finally, for all beyond a shadow of a doubt, for the first time in almost 170 years, Marxism is the future. <laughs> capitalism and, and and individuality and all that stuff that none of that matters you need to live in minority report with more terms. and they're trying to make that argument with the way they're getting the using the biden hunter to prosecute domestic policy and foreign policy to make everybody hate us that's why we're the ones being framed and or pushing very and then remember the united states at this point is, is a country at war with itself the oligarchy is at least three factions so what if the one faction that's actually trying to save the u.s is the banking class because they're the ones that are the most existential threat when the 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 globalists the clintonistas and whatnot are all trying to sell us out and the neocons just don't care they just want to kill russians right and brown people because they don't want to they don't want central asia to ever unite because they're they, they can't even fathom the idea of not being able to bomb brown people indiscriminately right. when sure for, for, for blood and treasure because that's who they are yeah because they're so you can maybe it's jungian shadow projection or you know you know maybe they all hate their moms i don't care it doesn't matter they're evil and they're and they've been activated as the useful idiots to throw the United States like Rambo with a, a jock strap at the Russians. How dumb is that? Right? And this is where we are today. And thankfully, yeah. Putin is like, yeah, no, I'm not giving you your war. I'm just going to bankrupt you. No, I'm not going to give you your war. I'm just going to bankrupt you. Well, I'm, going to make alliances with the, I'm going to make alliances with the rest of the world who you've tyrannized for the last 300 years, you horrible colonial European techno and that's we're done and that's it that's the russians are done they don't even care anymore they don't care if they sell another thermal gas to the to the bloody europeans they don't care they're done they're all that gas is now going to go east all that coal that they've just annexed in the donbass is all going east so you know like look if you guys want to be crazy you go right ahead and do so i mean the most salient thing that putin said during um, the annex there, there when he recognized the, the speech he gave when he recognized the Donbass two days before he invaded Ukraine mm-hmm. was to say, look, you people gave us communism. You gave us wokeness. You gave us all of the things that you're going through right now in the lead up to the to the to the October Revolution in 1917. We don't want it again. You can have it. We don't want that. And we're not going to take it from you. Wow. This is a cultural war. This is a civilizational well, war. Well, yeah, I mean, they lived through it. You know? yes. So the people in those Eastern Europe is the, are the countries that are like, no, we don't want this again. Only yeah. the, except for the Poles who hate the Russians so much. They cannot see the, they can't see the immense leverage they have aligning with the Russians as opposed to not aligning with the Russians. 
but they've been they've been suckered in by the Brits into this terrible scenario. Like uh, Alex and I go over in that podcast you referenced earlier that there's this there's this weird thing, there's a weird alliance between Britain, um, Poland, and yes. the UK and, and, and the Ukraine. Yeah. And but going back to the, that transition state I, I mentioned, think of it this way. The Fed needs to pull back from the being the, the dollar being the global reserve currency. Yeah. Powell has said it. There's room in the world for more than one reserve currency. We don't need to have more than one. He said it in a Humphrey Hawkins testimony in the Senate last year. So I think that gives us an idea of where his head is at. And I mean that sincerely. I take him at his word on this because it's clear from what the Fed's been doing that the Fed, by raising interest rates like the way they have, they are putting tremendous, tremendous pressure by reversing the capital, the, the credit cycle in Europe faster than it is here. But it's not blowing up the, the situation in the United States. The United States money markets are strangely calm. Meanwhile, everybody in Europe is screaming. The UN is screaming, stop raising rates. The, Joseph Burrell came out of the, the EU's foreign minister. You know, stop raising rates. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh, hundred basis points. <laughs> like, like, I just, uh, just, 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 I'm sorry. I can't help myself. I'm Italian. I'm like, no, no, up on goal. How about we go hundred? Like, you know, so. Because it's just hilarious. I, 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 part of me is like, yeah, no. And but the thing about it is, is that as Austrians, we understand that the boom is the problem and the bust is the cure. Right. It's the in between so, stuff. We're not so. So we're gonna have to have a '70s style depression, inflationary depression. We can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. So we might as well get it over and done with and create the 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 seeds and the and the now plant the seeds in 2022 or 2021 slash 2022 for. The political revolution that sets up the 2024 election cycle. You know, and it's and it's not going to be good what comes on the other side of that, but it'll be better. Mm-hmm. And now more people are awake to the to how close right. we came to, oh my God, we could have had that. Right. Right. And then people can you know, sit around and go, well, now we can integrate crypto reasonably into the into the monetary system. I have news for you, Brittany. I fully expect the Fed to put Bitcoin on its balance sheet by the time this is all over. Yeah, okay. that, that's a whole. Like, like, that's a whole other talk. Yeah, and yeah. now I think you know we might actually get back to the. I mean, one of the things that's really interesting about this is federalism still exists. Yeah, and the Federal Reserve it was originally conceived of because of the nineteen because of the times and because of communications technology at the time it was conceived of as twelve independent regional banks. Mm-hmm. Right? We had regionalism in the Federal Reserve. That was yeah. its original structure. And every one of those regions has different interest rates. Like everything else, right? Like huh. everything else, there was no Fed funds rate. There was the Minneapolis Fed funds rate. And there was the New York right. Fed funds rate. And there was the San Francisco Fed funds rate. And the Dallas one and the Atlanta, right? So, and Martin Armstrong made this point years ago. I used to write it off like he's crazy. Central banking is evil. I did the like knee-jerk libertarian right. analysis. He's like, right. no, he's right. We could get back to that as, as a transition with with, with with SOFA. Because just like oil, just like different grades of oil trade as a premium or a discount to Brent crude or yeah. West Texas Intermediate, who's to say that we can't have, you know, the Minneapolis Fed sets their reserve rate, you know, plus or minus a few basis points relative to the, um, or even have one 
Why even have a Fed funds rate when you've got a market rate that can run regionally? Wouldn't that be the like a step towards a Rothbardian it, future where we don't have one monolithic interest rate setting policy for the entire United States? Doesn't that set the table for we could break the United States up into re, into regional political entities because we don't have a singular monetary policy creating internalized mercantilism within the country like they have in the European Union with the euro and we've had here with the United States since they centralized the Fed funds rate, which is why California has been tyrannizing the rest of the country for 75 freaking years? Like all this is staring us in the face. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, somebody the, needs, somebody at the Fed needs to freaking hire me and like let me lay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should you should try and talk to these guys, but um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I mean, every day, every day I do another podcast like this, it gets out into the zeitgeist. Every time I write another okay, article that does this, I know the people in power are reading everything that I write because it's, okay. it shows up in all the it shows up in all the in all the talking points. I'm okay with it. It's not about my ego, guys. This has nothing to do with me and my ego or anything else. It has nothing to do with that. I just want the right ideas to propagate properly and for everybody to really take a good look at how are we going to get from where we are to where we want to go. Right. And there's a lot of, even within libertarian circles, there's a lot of really apocalyptic doom and gloom. Like, you know, it's, it's the, the distortion is so great and so high that it's got to be this hard landing. It has to just be disastrous. Well, there's going to be a hard landing. It's going to be ugly. But, but it doesn't have things, to be apocalyptic. No, it doesn't have to be Mad Max. We can get out of it. And I can tell you, and the way to get out of it is the way Judy Shelton was, uh, she was almost brought into the, to the, to the Federal Reserve. And um, Trump wanted to get her into the Federal Reserve. And oh, by the way, John McCain and Kamala Harris fist bumped on the floor of the Senate when they blocked her nomination. The two biggest globalists in right. Congress, other than maybe- They know maybe. exactly what they're doing. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they know exactly what they were doing. Yeah. Because Judy Shelton- would have come onto the Federal Reserve and would have started the process of putting the pilot project together of saying, could we throw gold out on our treasury gold down onto the yield curve in order to balance our budget, our budgetary problems in the long run, while we go through a fiscal reorganization of the entitlements that are bankrupting us and everything else? And the answer is yes. So about six months ago on a podcast she did with Grant Williams of, um, um, you know, the, uh, uh, what's the name of his? Uh, his thing is, I can't remember the name of his podcast, of his, of his newsletter or podcast anymore. Uh, great guy. I like Grant a lot. Never been on a show. Um, but she was talking about when, when Mnuchin and Trump were talking about 50 and 100 year bonds. And, and of course, you know, you know, libertarians are going, oh, look, they're going to try and sell 100 year, 100 year bonds. You can't even sell five year bonds. Like, that's not going to work. That's a dumb, that's a dumb idea. It's not a dumb idea if, 5% of the capital that you put into that bond is redeemable in treasury gold at the end of the bond. Yeah. Now it's the best bond that's ever been offered. And when I, I, I sent that out, and I did those Twitter spaces on uh, about a month ago. Um, the guy I, I spoke after, I spoke after this guy was a, uh, the Twitter handle BBL. It's um, uh, Vincent. I can't remember if it's Bianco or whatever. That's no, not Bianco. It's another name. He was talking about, and he was going on uh, how we're, our problems are intractable. Kind of a standard Austro, not standard. I mean, he was very, he knew his bond. He knew his bond markets. He knew his, uh, he knew his shit when it came to the, far more than me. And I spoke after him and I said, you know, that's all really interesting. But what happens if um, at the end of this, the Fed offers up 50 year bonds with a 5% gold redemption clause? And he stopped and he went, 
That's the most brilliant thing I've ever heard to start out on the yield curve. Because now they could offer a 50-year bond with a 2% nominal annual coupon. Normally, they would have to, you know, if the Fed funds rates five and you have a normally steeply rising yield curve, you'd have to offer seven or eight or nine. You have to offer the more time, the more that you're taking people's money away from them, the more interest you have to offer them. It's just simple interest rate theory, right? Every first, you know, and anybody who disagrees with me, Bob Murphy will, you know, be happy to go over the basics of interest and, and everything and then the and, and yield curve ad nauseum. I and he's brilliant at it. I love Bob for it. I learned a lot from Bob while he was when you know when he was first finishing up his PhD and then writing regularly for Mises Institute. Yeah, he's point, great. 10, 15 he's years great. ago now. Um, and um, I just remember that I, I got so deep into this stuff that I was arguing with him in the car while listening to him on a podcast about interest rate theory. That's how deep into the stuff I got, actually. Um, he was probably right. I was probably wrong, but it doesn't matter. So the point being is that, you know, as opposed to having to say with a Fed funds rate of 4%, you have to offer these things at like 8 or 8, 9%. You can actually offer them at 2%. Right. With 5% gold cover cost. Yeah. And then all the Fed has to do is take its foot off the neck of the gold market. And let gold rise at eight percent a year. Problem solved. And now you can now you can take big chunks of the federal debt and sell it to sell it to investors yep. and create real, honest to God, um, faith in 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 the United States. And here's the gig: yeah, if the U.S. doesn't do it. Russia and/or China are going to do it first. So it's a race to this and this end this outcome. It doesn't matter. The Russians and the Chinese have not are not telling us how much gold they have. But they say they have this amount in there. They say they have like the Russians have twenty three hundred tons in their foreign exchange reserve. And the Chinese have fifteen hundred or two thousand tons. That's nonsense. Mm. That's complete nonsense. They probably have seventeen thousand tons each. Mm. The Russians have been stockpiling gold for hundred for five hundred years. Like really, how much gold is in the Russian sovereign wealth fund? We're not telling you. Mm-hmm. How much is in the very shiny sovereign wealth? Well, you know, none of your business, state secret. Like <laughs> this again, I, I'll go back to Jim Rickards. I remember him talking about this ages ago. Going, We don't know how much it is. Let's say it's 10,000 tons. It may be as much as 20. It could be six. It doesn't matter. It's so much higher than what it actually is that they have the capital to do exactly that and then invite the world to come in. Does the U.S. have the capital to do that? Yeah, of course it does. Okay. It does. It has eighty one hundred tons of gold. I don't. I don't. I don't buy the. I don't buy the standard. The standard line that the the gold's not in Fort Knox or not in the Mariana. I don't believe that at all. Mm-hmm. I don't. I believe the gold is there. I believe it's been leased out to the mm-hmm. LBMA. Sure, I'll believe that. But I want to see the LBMA collect. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, the LBMA might not exist in twelve months the way it's getting drained right now. So you know, let's just let's just play this down. Let's just watch and see how this stuff plays out. I don't know. I mean. I, the more I think about this stuff, the, the, the more there are options, there are more options on the table. And this is the reason why I do the, the things that I do and present this stuff the way I do. Is that I'm looking for the options that are out there by the people who have the invest the incentives right. to make these decisions. And then will that translate into political action? Now you can every every word I said today is based on a potential political revolution in the United States, away from woke communism. What I'm saying is that we have the opportunity to have a political revolution against wokeness. Tulsi Gabbard came out today and just left the Democratic Party because she can't 
She doesn't recognize these people anymore. They're, they're insane, right? She left the Democratic Party publicly. She's getting vilified on Twitter. I wrote a big article just before we, I, I published it 20 minutes before we, before you and I uh, started recording. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's yeah, not alone. I mean, she's she's no. not alone in that. It's it's no, she's be. not. Um, but if we are to, we have to as a country, as a society, have to say, okay, that's enough. Y'all have had your day. You've all had your temper tantrum. You've all done your thing. That's not happening. Now, do I have faith that the political system is strong enough to contain the chaos that's already been unleashed? It's a good question. Mm-hmm. I don't. But we'll see. We'll, well know in three or four weeks with the midterms and see how they play out. Yeah, and also some of the, some of that chaos, I believe, is is you know Soros funded and of course and it is. Likewise, so if that's if they take a hit, if they if they're suffering, they're not going to be able to. Right. So why do you why do you, yeah so so who do you think organized the hit on UK gilts last week, the UK bond market, and 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 attack the pound? You don't think it was Soros trying to reload? Because he spent a lot of money on failed operations. What a, what an interesting thing that the week after Queen Elizabeth is put to rest, right. and the new and the weakest, most hated prime minister comes to power in yeah. Britain's history, in the UK's history, we have a run on the UK pension systems and the UK bond market, huh. and then three days later, there's a after the Bank of England intervenes, there's a whisper campaign to bankrupt Credit Suisse. The two most powerful financial institutions that are not inside the European Union are the UK and Switzerland. They were both attacked within seven days of each other. Wow. And and both attacks failed. Because the Swiss National Bank got $3 billion in swaps from the the Federal Reserve. Oh, wow. I got that data sent to me by by a pay. Again, I'm like, I've got the Baker Street regulars on Wall Street, like, funding me. That's awesome. Oh no, it's fantastic. I mean, I don't come up with, I don't go check the Fed fund swap rate page on a regular basis. I don't have time for that. I'm writing stuff. I'm producing content for, right. I have to have, uh, literally have people just like the guy, one of my patrons is the one who traced Powell's gene, uh, Jerome Powell's genealogy. Mm-hmm. Trace them all the way back to basically the Mayflower or not maybe the Mayflower, but certainly to right, the, but it was something- the old, old, old Virginia aristocracy that, you know, funded and organized the Revolutionary War. Yeah, these. You think these, that guy is? You think that guy is in the paid gold list? Just gotta let my dog out. He's yelling at me. No worries. Always take care of your dogs. Yes. Yes. Because your dogs take care of you. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to me. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not paying attention. I wasn't even aware of the the attack on on London or on sure. until I read something you wrote about it. But um, but when you do look at it, it's like, wow, we really are watching this game board and there are all these different players and look who's aligning with who and who's who's being attacked at the same time. And, it, and it's it does start to sort of a, a picture starts to take shape. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's fun. I think it's fun. Like, like for me, it's, I, I'm, I'm an inveterate bit twiddler and game player. I mean, to me, this is just what I like to do. And, you know, I can't. Un- and, and once you see the world this way, you can't unsee it. And you can even take a break for a couple of days every once in a while and you can miss some stuff and you're like, oh, look, that one. <laughs> there it is. You know, as Luke Groman puts it on, uh, on, on Twitter all the time, signpost, like, yep, signpost. Like, yeah, yeah. it just, you see these little things that pop out and then the big, and then when the big ones happen, you can know, boom. And then you can see the, and you may not, you may not understand where all those little moves are. You may even have a misinter- misinterpretation of what they are. I 
God, I've made so many bad calls when it comes to stuff like this. I'm trying to anticipate what's going to happen next. And then when the real thing happens, you're like, oh, no, we have to reframe that a little bit. Okay, let's reframe that. I was wrong about that, but it really means this. Okay, that's fine. You know, again, it's not about ego. It's just about, you know, I'm a scientist at, at heart. I was trained, you know, as a chemist and the research and as a researcher, like to me, putting out hypotheses and having them fail. Well, that's just Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's yeah. just Tuesday. Maybe on Friday I'll have a I'll, I'll have a house moment. Oh my God, Eureka, it worked. You know, those come very rarely. Yeah. They come a couple of times a year if you're lucky. So we should wrap up. Sure. Um, anything, anything we've left out, anything that you think is, is critical for, especially, you know, with, with having in mind, you know, trying to get people to, to get where you're coming from, who may not be following any of this, who may, well, you know, I, the hard, the hardest part is overcoming your own imprinting and your own personal biases. Like this is part of, I went, the article I just wrote about Tulsi Gabbard this morning, the first half of it is all about getting people past the things that are out there about her that should give people pause. And she went to a World Economic Forum Young Leaders thing, blah, blah, blah. She was aggressive. Okay, fine. That's fine. She doesn't have to be perfect. I don't, not, not asking for perfection of any of anybody. Hell, I voted for Donald Trump twice. Like, you know, dude. Like, because the libertarian option was even worse. Like, um, yeah. like dopey weed guy? No. So um, that's Gary Johnson. Um, and uh, like, but what you have to be willing to do is understand their incentives and maybe take the time to not knee jerk because you saw something here. So that means that we're all getting we're all getting educated in how they operate and how to read the psyops because we're all getting better at it, right? But I what I see from a lot of people is, and I and I don't mean that again. This isn't ego or anything. I've been doing this kind of thing for twenty years. Like I've been trying to figure these people out literally for 20 years. There's a lot of people coming into this that are, that are just woken up in the last year, yeah. 18 months or whatever. Like I remember what I was like in 2002 after I first found Lou Rockwell like, mm -hmm. and I found the Mises. So I remember what I was like. I was, I was crazy now, like insane. Like, so this, these, I, these observations come with time and they have to remind yourself we're all under a ridiculous amount of stress. And um, it's easy when you're under a ridiculous amount of stress to be pushed by the anxiety pimps to the wrong conclusions that they want you to reach. We're all being gaslit about everything in multiple ways from multiple angles every freaking day. Yeah. I fall for some of them. You fall for some of them. We're lucky if we only fall for 10% of them or 20%. The good ones only fall for 20%. And then there are the others that fall for 50% yeah. because we've got multiple intelligence agencies out there seeding malinformation into the zeitgeist, amplified on Twitter, amplified on social media, yeah. amplified in on comment threads on Zero Hedge or everywhere else on purpose, trying to get you off your game and trying to get you to, to reject X, Y, and Z. And all I can tell you is that it's easy to get gaslit to the point where you can't stop seeing threats. Hmm. Yeah. And that everyone, everything, because that's very left brain and that leads to wokeness. Everything's a threat. Everything is a this. Your, your interpretive half of your brain, your, your right, your creative, your integrative side of your brain, you shut down and you won't see the other side. You, won't, yeah. you can't see anything yeah. else. And it doesn't matter where you are in the political spectrum or what issue you're talking about. It's 
that process is the same for all people. It's the way our brains are wired. Yeah. And so yeah, it's when fear takes over. You're yes. And yeah. they and they just and they just amplify the fear and then they keep you in that state. And then you can never allow, you know, they rob you of your reason and they rob you of your ability to um not just pattern recognize, because they want you to pattern. Right. They want you pattern to recognition pattern. on its own is just predictive programming. Yeah. So just keep an open mind and try and, and at some, at some point we're all better body language readers than we think we are. I got news for you. Tulsi Gabbard's the real deal. That's the way I read her. I go, I go, she's the real deal. She's yeah. She's not particularly comfortable in front of speaking in front of the camera. She's a soldier. And that's, so that's where a little bit of that comes from is, is, is from that. She's had to learn how to do media. I, I trust and, people who are who are less comfortable in front of a camera. It's the ones who are polished and well presented that I'm I'm more wary. Exactly. Of. So when I look at her, I look, I go, okay, yeah, she's not perfect, um, but I think she's walked the walk. Yeah. And I think that the hardest thing for, for in her case, for example, like it's hard for anybody to believe that Trump wasn't an insider because he was an insider. But maybe it's because he was an insider that he saw something that really scared him. Right. Same thing with Kelsey Gabbard. She was groomed for power yeah she was brought into the room she was offered the ring of power and she said no guess what jamie darn here's one for you that a friend of mine put my, put my head the other day I forgot all about this about five years ago jamie diamond had a really bad heart incident do you, rem- do you remember this the, the ceo of, J- of jp morgan you probably don't because no, you don't follow you don't follow no. morgan uh, you don't follow any of those jamie diamond had to have an aortic section like, you know, his heart ex- basically exploded and he was in downtown Manhattan. Wow. And everybody would normally be like, hey, you know, good, one less, one less, you know, one less evil bankster in the world. If Diamond hadn't been exactly where he was at that moment in time in the greatest concentration of doctors who would know exactly what to do at that moment in time, if he was anywhere else, he would have died. So now let's ask a good question about Jamie Diamond. Did that experience change him? Hmm. Did that make him really? Yeah, and and not because he's become a good guy, or anything, but just that. Okay, there's more to this than what I've been doing. Maybe this is wrong. I don't know. Everybody has those moments in their life. We have to allow for those. And you know the the what do the Christians tell us all the time? What's the great What's the great story? that we should actually always allow for everybody to have their opportunity of redemption or. Well, you know I mean? that's, that's perfect because it's, you know, the whole, the whole world global communism vision and communism itself and, and the, the technocratic vision, it leaves out the human element. It, 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 it it's, you know, it, it's like, it, it, it's does it, there's no place for it in that ideology. Right. And so I think that's its downfall because it right. can't predict, you know, let's say Tulsi Gabbard did have an awakening or, or Jamie Dimon. Dimon. Imagine if yeah. Jamie Dimon had a, had a sincere awakening after that experience. It's possible because that's what happens to actual human beings. And that's what technocrats can't grasp. You know, that's, they that's they why they're going to fail because they don't understand. There's this whole element of being human that they can't even process. Yeah. I know. And I'm hoping I'm right. I may be wrong. Yeah, me too. And if I'm not, and if I'm wrong, well, I, I've got two. I've got. I'm. I'm. I'm learning how to make wine, 
from all the fruit on my property and I'll stock whiskey and I'll keep the, I'll keep the humidor filled and I'll just wait for the, I'll wait for the flash. And, and, you, got the, you, got goats. and you got goats and I got goats and, you know, and, and if worse comes to worst, I'll just keep, I'll just put on the sunglasses and wait for the flash. I mean, if that's what I've got to work with, I mean, like, what else are you going to do? Like, right. Where we you can't know, I mean, right there now. comes a point where you just got to go, okay, well, this is where we are. So I'm going to make the best of it. And this is the best, I, this is the best I've got. And if I can, you know, and from my perspective, if I can, you know, even, even if I'm wrong, but even if I can get enough people to understand this is the way forward, yeah, then maybe, maybe someone else is seeing what I, you know, in a, is in a position to do something about it. Right. We'll be able to do something about it later. It's the best we can hope for. Yeah. And if not, strengthening your local community, same things you and I talked about when we were yeah. on our podcast. Remember, this is a great compliment to the one, to the, to the episode we did on my podcast where you talked about you know, the things you can do at a personal level to make someone's life better, right. any one person's life to build and to build. I mean, that's as long, mm-hmm. I think, I feel like as long as we're focused on that, as long as we're fo- focused on building something, you know, however small doing something creative and positive. Yeah. Sometimes that's, that that's like if the that's best all you can do. If that's yeah. all you can do, do yeah. it. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, don't minimize it. Don't belittle it. Don't right. think that you, that you that you what you've done is has no value or purpose. That's what they want you to believe. Everything you do has value and purpose. Everything. Yeah. Period. And you know, and then and just value yourself and value your time. And then stand up for it. Yep. And we'll go from there. All right. Brittany, it was great. Yeah, thank you so much.